Hey, where are my dads at this morning? Let me hear all the dads in the house. Let me hear you. You hear? That's, that's pretty good. That, that's, that's pretty good. Is there anyone here that appreciates our MHC fathers? Anybody in the house? I was really, I was really hoping that you would cheer for that today. Not just because I am one, but it's kind of awkward when you're celebrating Father's Day and there's just a few people that cheer. We've got some great fathers here at Merrimack Heights Church and, and we're thankful for them. I mean, when you think about it, when you think about your dad, come on, he went crazy for you, didn't he? Think about just some moments in your life where dad went crazy. Do you remember that volleyball game? I mean, it was only your first one. It wasn't the World Series of volleyball, but the loudest one in the gymnasium for sure was who, Dad? There he was. You remember the baseball game or the softball game where Dad is just giving his all? What about the dance recital? It was just supposed to be a beautiful, quiet jazz piece, but there's Dad in the middle of it making noise. It might have been the spelling bee. It might have been a choir uh, concert. I mean, the list goes on and on, but who knows, dads can just be out there sometimes. Have you ever seen that? I don't know if you've ever experienced that. You've been there, please. You've been at the awards ceremony and the ground rules are laid out. The MC stands up in a stadium of people or in a gymnasium or out on a football field and they say something similar to this. Hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to announce all the recipients of the awards. And then once everyone has received their reward, we're all going to cheer together for everybody. Who's ever been in that environment? I mean, the MC laid out the rules. The boundaries have been set. And there goes dad. You heard it. When your name was called and the certificate or diploma was put in your hand, not only is he shouting, that's my boy, that's my girl, air horn going off in the background. It's like, Dad, I mean, get it together. The the boundaries have been set. There was rules in place, but there's Dad breaking the rule. Dads, we honor you today. And for those that are here on campus with us in the church and those that are watching online, can we give it up again, Merrimack Heights Church, for all of the fathers. We love you. We appreciate you. Thanks for cheering us on. We needed it. Sometimes your timing wasn't always impeccable. Amen. But we want you to know that we heard you and we needed you And we still need you in our corner. There is nothing like a father that will cheer you on in the good times and the not so good times. Amen, church. We're thankful for our dads today and we're thankful that you're here. It's one of the top privileges of my life being a father, being a dad. And and I don't know about you men that have joined with me today here at church, but it's not always the easiest of tasks. The role of a father, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are a ton of blessings connected to it, but there are also a lot of things that the Lord's still working out in us as we become the father that he's called us to be. Did you know dads are gifted in a lot of areas? I'll give you another shot at that one. Dads are gifted in a lot of areas. Dads are even gifted in things that they're not gifted in. Did you know that? 
They, they, they come across that way. Yesterday, Nora was sitting at the house, sitting at the kitchen table, and she had her little watercolors out and put the paint out and was bringing some color into it, and she was putting uh, her watercolors out on the, the paper, painting a sunset. She said, Dad, I'm painting a sunset. I said, hey, let me, let me show you a trick that I've learned in using watercolors. I dip the backside of my brush into it and, and, and get a little water and bring it out on the deal, and she said, Dad... That, that's not the way my teacher taught me. <laughs> Who's ever been a dad and you're trying to maybe show a new way or you're trying to create this enlightening moment and then all of a sudden as a dad, you didn't really know a whole lot about it. And when I looked at the watercolor that I painted last week when I was sitting at the kitchen table with Joy and Nora's sunset, her sunset turned out a whole lot better than whatever it was dad was trying to put together. But dads know a lot and... If, if you could create a list of all the little things that your dad could do over time, I'll, I'll list one that my dad was always amazing at, and, and then I was blessed with four girls. I, I used to think, how hard could that be until I tried? You ever tried to get a knot out of a silver or gold chain before? My dad was a master at that. Like, how hard can it be? I mean, you get a knot out of a rope. You get a knot out of this. You get a knot out of your shoe. I mean, what's hard? But then you have daughters, and you realize how difficult it is to make that happen. Think about your list of all the amazing things, and it would be a long list of what your dad was able to do. And again, dads are good at a lot of things. They know a lot about a lot and a lot about a little sometimes, but... There are things that dads don't have natural propensities towards as well. Amen? Who understands your dad is not perfect? It's a little bit more quiet in the room. Some of the kids are like, don't admit it. Don't say it. Just, just let, him, let him think. In a study of men, so we're just going to put this on, on the class of men because it was a study of men. One of the things... Men do not have a natural propensity towards is asking for help or asking for direction when they are what? Lost. Okay. Now, do you hear you hear the women laughing right now, right? There are no men laughing or clapping right now, but but there are some women. So that is your moment in this study that was concluded a man in his lifetime in his lifetime, statistically, will drive 900 miles looking for the thing that he can't find in, in his lifetime. I don't know, what's 900 miles from here? Uh, somebody help me. Anybody know a town or a city? or Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs, 900 miles. So uh, on average, I would drive from here to Colorado Springs, 900 miles, on average looking for the thing that I am lost trying to find. In this study, it was concluded that a man built into him kind of has this roaming mechanism. That's why when you're out and you're taking a hike and you're with your husband and we're like, wait a minute, where are we? A wife can start freaking out, oh my goodness, we're lost. I mean, we're lost. We, what, that tree looks like that tree. Where are we at? And it's like, no, we're fine. We got a back pack of food, but you're starting to break it down already. It's like, okay, how much water can we get by with? And how do we, we don't need to ration the food yet. Let my roaming instinct kick in. 
How many dads, how many men have this roaming instinct that, that this study concluded that a man has this, this natural thing built inside of him that he's just kind of likes the challenge of looking for it. Matter of fact, when a dad is lost, how many of you dads can say, I'm never lost? <laughs> they might blame their kids for being lost. Well, I couldn't hear in the van. That's where I got turned around. It's just too loud in here. They might blame the signs. I mean, what's up? That's, that's not north. That's a, that, they've got the signs. It's the highway department's fault. They might blame, blame the maps. They might blame co-drivers. They might blame their wives, but fathers rarely blame themselves, and fathers rarely say that they're lost. No, no, that's just my roaming instinct kicking in right now. That 900 miles in my life that I will bank over time looking for the thing that I'm lost in, I'm just banking some time on my hours right now. Men have this, this sense of direction or sense of challenge when they need to find something to keep going after it until they find it, no matter what mountain they have to go around, what river they have to swim through. Men have this built on the inside of them. I want to share with you just for a few moments on this Father's Day, I want to share a message that I've titled Directional Dads. Everybody say that with me, Directional Dads. Now, some of you might say, Pastor Brian, this is a little bit problematic because I am here today and I came to worship today and I'm not a dad. Here's the reality. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to supercharge this message that he has already released into my heart. I believe that dads will be blessed in this room and online today. I believe that mothers will be blessed today. I believe that kids and students will be blessed today. I believe that the Lord will use this message directional dads to help you wherever you're at in life because these simple truths apply to all of our lives. Dads have these moments in their life that look similar to this graphic. What man in here, what dad has ever, if I look inside the boundaries of that larger orange colored arrow and I see those arrows going everywhere. What dad honestly has ever felt like that is my life in a certain season? I'm not sure way, which way is up. I'm not sure which way is down. I don't know where north and south is. Where's true north in my life? Which way is right? Which way is left? Right now, I feel that I'm just a little bit lost. I feel like my life is going in multiple directions. Who in the church has ever felt like your life is just going in multiple directions and you can't figure it out and it exhausts you to think of it. Dads have certain things that go through their mind and I could have created a, a list much longer than this, but uh, one dad might think, do I go this way or do I go that way? A dad might think, do I take this job or should I take this job. A dad might think, is, is this the way I should be doing life at 46 years old? Is this what God is saying to me? A dad might say, how can I carve out and find more time to do what I really love 
doing. Sometimes men are perplexed because for 40 hours plus a week, they're doing the thing they don't necessarily want to do and love to do, but it does provide for their family. It does provide for their retirement. It does provide for this, the house, the vacation, this, but they think in their mind, what if I could do more of what I love to do? And directionally, when they run in the guy that's doing everything that he loves to do, they get frustrated because their life looks like this. Have you ever been that dad? Have you ever been that person before? A dad might think, what would life look like as a man if I wasn't afraid to go after it with every fiber of being inside of me? A dad might think, what is my wife thinking? A dad might think, what are my kids thinking? And a directional dad will for sure think this. What does God want? What does God require of me? Who's thankful that we have some directional dads in the house? And I believe that the Lord is cheering you on this morning. Matter of fact, in this message today, I do hope that you're challenged My heart is not even close to beat you up with the word of God. I want to tell you today that you have an encouraging heavenly father that loves you and he can help you when you feel like life is going in multiple directions. And the church shouted this morning, amen. You've got a father, ma'am, cheering you on. Sir, you've got a father that is cheering you on. And I want to just share three very simple steps with you, and I want to encourage you to write them down today. If you wouldn't mind just to take a pen or a crayon or whatever you could find, a marker, and just write some of these things down. The first reality in becoming directional, a directional dad, or remaining a directional dad, is to understand this truth. The Father is watching you. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this situation in your life before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but maybe you had a game or you had an event and there was something that you were at and your dad, for some reason, was out of town. He could not be there. Work schedule was not allowed. You wanted him to see you in action, but it was impossible for him to be there. See, directional dads realize that they have a heavenly father And I want the men in the house to know this today that has never missed one event in your life. God has never had something that his schedule was so packed that he couldn't be there to see you, what you were walking through, what you were going through. He saw the tear. He he saw the pain. He saw where you were lost. He saw when you didn't know which way was up, which way was down. God saw all that because you have a father that is watching you. Are you thankful that you have a heavenly father that has never missed anything? It sure does feel like it at times. It's like, well, Lord, surely if this is transpiring in my life, surely you're distant from me and not close to me because if you are really watching, then why is this happening? Many of us have probably been through moments, even as a parent before, When our kids have been walking through a major challenge in life. And it didn't even have to be a big deal. It didn't have to be a life-changing thing. It could have been graduating from, from junior high and moving into high school. But they were challenged by it. And you are there. You see it. You are a father watching 
but you can't just step in and change everything. Amen? God is, God is not a God that, that plays us a pawn in life where he just picks us up and starts making decisions for us. No, but the Father is watching. Now, even for some of us, when I say that the Father is watching, this kind of puts a, a bad taste in your mouth because it's like, okay, here I am, this being that God created, and the Father is watching. And, and I'm not sure how this gets passed down to us, but we have this sense that the Father is watching, and he's only watching for us to make an error so he can scold us. The problem I have with that is where is it in the Bible? Why would a heavenly father bring humanity into the world so that he can just watch us, so that he can execute judgment on us when we mess up? Was I thinking that over my kids when Joy was pregnant and they were coming into the world? Was I sitting there thinking, I cannot wait to watch Madison and Emerson and Ty and Brianna and Nora? Did I get all five of them? I cannot wait. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm through God's blessing and sovereignty. They're coming into the world. And, and, and here is, I'm going to camp out. And I can't wait to watch them. And when they mess up, I can't wait to run to them and tell them about mess up. Folks, that is not the God that we serve. That is a, that is a bad picture of God. That is an unhealthy picture of God. Does God see when we make bad choices? Yes, he does. Does he see when we make good choices? Yes, he does. But he is not there to pick us up and put us in any of those directions. We have to make decisions based on a father's watchful eye over us. I love this scripture. It's found in Psalm 32, 8, and it says this. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. So if I put that in kind of an earthly picture, and if I have Ty standing here, and, and I say, but you see that you see that deal over there? Let's say we're taking a hike. You see that rock over there? I'm, I'm going to, as a dad, I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to give you some guidance, and I'm going to coach you along the way. When we get thirsty, I see that, but you still have to take the drink. When we get tired, yeah, we'll, we'll sit down every once in a while, but I can't pick you back up and drag you to the rock after we've rested and that thing way in a distance that I want to instruct you and teach you to move towards. Out of your own self, you have to get up and move your legs toward that goal, whatever that goal looks like. And, and for me as a dad, my ultimate hope for all my kids is their heavenly reward over anything. I don't know about you. I could give a rip of what kind of car my kid drives at the end of this life. I don't care how many houses they have or what their house looks like. I, I don't care what part. I don't care if it's in Ladue, Lindbergh, Arnold. It, it does not matter. At the end of it all, it doesn't matter. I don't care how many degrees they have hanging on the wall. I don't care how much money they have, how much money they left. 
None of that stuff matters. Ultimately, what I do care about is that they're going to join me in heaven. The guidance of a father always watching. Know today that God is watching us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. That This scripture is not a, I have my eye on you. Don't mess up or I will punish you. That is not what the scripture is saying. He is saying, I am here to instruct you and teach you. And I'm actually, do you know that the word actually points us in the direction that we should go? The word of God. When you read it, it points you in the direction you should go. So that if you get off in direction and you lose your, oh, there's a squirrel. I went that way. Who's ever done that before in life? It's because you've mismanaged this. So God's saying, that's what we're headed for. Let's walk in that direction. Let's go after it as I am watching you. When these arrows, like our graphic displays, are pointing in all these different directions and our thoughts are everywhere, remember that God is watching you, Dad, and he has lined you up in the right direction. And daily when you spend time in this and just simple time in prayer, just saying, God, Keep me in that direction as you've been watching over me. Keep me in that direction. Psalm says, my heart is set on pilgrimage, on the path that you have shown me. The Bible says he leads us in the paths of what? Righteousness for his name's sake. So that even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, watch this. His eyes are still on me. I could still be confident that he has laid out the course and I'm walking through it even at moments, in moments, where I've lost my way. I'm thankful that the Lord has pointed me in the right direction. I'm thankful that he is watching over me. I'm thankful that he is there to teach me and to instruct me. I'm thankful that in those moments that I am directionless as a father, that with full confidence, I can know that he is not trying to create another hurdle. He is not trying to make the path more foggy. He is helping us walk in the right direction. And for a father to do that, he has to watch us. I, I have to fight the same enemy you have to fight. Amen? Did you, did you know we're all fighting the same enemy? I mean, he rears his head up. He's got many different strategies. But, but the spirit in which the enemy fights is the same for all of us. So it's easy for us to categorize battles. Like I'm going through a big one, you're going through a small one, or you're going through a small one, I'm going through a large one. The spirit of the battle is, is the same deal. The fight may be different, where we're at in the battle may be different, but God is not trying to create this foggy haze of where we're going. I don't know about you, but I want to become better, even from this Father's Day to the next. To refuse to listen to an enemy's lie, to cheat me out of the great direction that the Lord has pointed me in, if I'll just set my heart on pilgrimage the way that Psalm says. I want to accomplish it. I want to stay on the path. I want to stay in his lane that he has created for my life. And I don't know about you, but as a dad, I've got to pray some directional prayers. Can all of our dads say this this morning? Say, I am a directional dad. So if you're a directional dad, 
Don't get upset or frustrated or scared or weirded out that the Father is watching you. Take joy that you have a heavenly Father that will never miss it. Now, some of you might be thinking, Brian, he saw that too. Yeah, he saw that too. He saw it all. And he loves you and he has a plan and he wants you to get back on the right path. If you're off the path, he doesn't want devastation for you. He wants you to live blessed. Now, when I say blessed, we all think, okay, that means problem free, right? No. (laughs) Blessed meaning the ultimate goal is always in his sight or always in our sight. The ultimate goal is what? Heaven. Who's thankful as a directional dad that you're going to make heaven, that you have the eyes of the Lord watching you? The second thing that a directional dad needs to understand, or we as Christians need to understand, is that the father is listening to you. Do you ever, as a dad, even feel at home that nobody hears you? I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Um, we've been through this several times at our house. There are, there's seven people at our house. Okay. So if everybody comes in and leaves a pair of shoes in the living room, that's 14 shoes because everybody in the house has two feet. So two times seven is 14. So if everyone comes in with their backpack, that's seven backpacks. If everyone just comes in, throws their jacket on the couch or over a chair or on the kitchen table, I mean, that's seven jackets just in a living space. Who knows things can get directionless really quickly just by simple math. So when I look at this next deal here that the Lord hears me, sometimes I feel, and I know that you feel it too, I feel like no one is listening Have you as a dad ever said this? You leave the house, there's a bike up by the street, just laying in the street, and you say, hey, when I come home, I want the bike to be put away. And you pull back into your driveway, and the bike is still right where it was. Has that ever happened? (laughs) Or have you said something simply like this, something like this? Okay, I'm leaving right now, and mom and I are going to be out. We'll be out for maybe an hour and a half. So I, I don't care what you're doing right now. You, you can do whatever you do, want to do for that next hour and a half. But here, here's the reality. When I come home, I want the trash to be taken out. Has anyone ever came home and the trash is still sitting there? So as dads, we've got a list of things, a list of things that we might come up with. Check this out. When you feel as a dad that no one else is listening, I want you to be fully confident there is always someone listening. God hears you. Look at 1 John 5, 14. 1 John 5, 14. I've got to share this just because it's funny. I was so frustrated because I think it was Wednesday. I was here just doing some study and had jotted some verses down, and this is one of them. So I just put with a Sharpie on a piece of white paper, I just put John 5, 14. And then I go to finalize everything, and, and I could not find this verse, and I didn't remember exactly what it said. And it was driving me crazy, like, for 10 minutes. I'm like, where is this verse? I, I couldn't remember. Is it here? And, and then I remember back towards the end of the Bible, there's three Johns, first, second, and third. So I went to 1 John chapter 5, 14, and this is what it says. Now, this is the confidence 
that we have in him. I've got to stop at this comma because this is really important. Not the confidence that you have in yourself, not some great ability that you have in yourself. No, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I don't know about what this does for you as a directional dad or as a father today, but this makes me want to know what his will is. You say, Brian, why? Because the Bible says that I can have this confidence, not in myself, but this confidence is in him who has never erred, never messed up, never lied, that if I ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Do you know, directional dad, that every time you have asked of the Lord in accordance to his will, which we need to know, that he heard you? Why would I want to spend a lot of time asking a bunch of things that were outside of his will for my life, hoping that I get some big answer? God, I would just, I would love it, God. I would love it if I would wake up and I would go to the mailbox and there would be $10 million in the mailbox. Well, you can beg for that all your life. God, I just, watch this. God, I could, if, God, if I just have more money as a dad, do you know what I could do with that? The Lord might say, well, what are you doing with what I gave you? Lord, if, if that investment could just grow 20 years, do you know what I could do? God might say, well, what are you doing now with what you have? So watch this. We as men can ask a bunch of stuff. Lord, if, if the Blues could just win the Stanley Cup, Lord, if they could just win the Stanley Cup, God, I will this and I will... will, will in accordance to his will. Brian, who do you think God wanted to win the Stanley Cup? The best team. Team to put in the work, the effort, overcame the injuries, just gave all. This year it was the Blues. Next year it could be somebody else. Did you watch the parade or go to the parade yesterday? Yes. I loved it. There, there, were, there were really good things about it. There were some things that, that I did not totally agree with. But like, hey, hey, I... I bet, I bet there's a lot of people just looking down today. Well, folks, I believe there might be some people looking down and there might be people that are looking up. Because the bottom line is this, if you don't know Jesus, a Stanley Cup or a win won't get you there. Amen. Working hard at a sport won't get you there if you, if, if you don't know Jesus. Working hard at a job won't get you there if you, if you know Jesus. It doesn't matter how much you climbed up. If you didn't prepare yourself to meet him in the end, it's not going to be good. Amen. So we have to re realize the confidence that we can have in this thing. I can confidently say, you know what, Lord? I don't know your entire will, but there's some things that I've learned in this. And when I begin to speak, one of the things that I learned when I was young is the scripture, Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And, and we can also say, blessed are the pure in heart. So they shall see God. So we could put a bunch of Americanized things on that blessed. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, so I'm going to... No, here's the deal. I just want to see God in the end, and the blessing of walking the journey is the most important thing, that I set my heart... I remember my dad said this so many times. The scripture says it. Like Flint, nothing is going to move me to the right or to the left, because in the end, I want to see him. As a directional father, we want to ask in bounds or in line according to his will. Why? Because every time we do, the Bible says we can be confident. And what dad doesn't want to be confident? What dad is not walking around being like, yeah, I just don't want to be confident. I, I, I want to get, get me the, the Father's Day t-shirt that says the least confident dad. <laughs> Who would love that? No, because dads want to be confident. Men want to be confident. Men like to know. They, they don't like to be stuck without the answer that I can be confident that I've made the right decisions. I can be confident when I've asked in line with his word that I've raised my kids right, when I've asked in line with his word, that I've provided for my family correctly, that when I've asked in line with his word that I am leading my home in a godly way. Some might be sitting out there thinking today, I mean, even some ladies might think, I mean, how hard can it be to lead this family in a godly way? Just get up and do the right thing all the time. How hard can that be? Why in the world have you not read your Bible all week? I got you the devotional last year for Father's Day. It's in the same spot. How hard can it be? Can you lead this family, please? It would be real easy if a man didn't have a real enemy that's keeping him from the devotional. It'd be real easy if a guy, when, when he, all kinds of stuff will pop up into that guy's world. All of a sudden, he, he, he's there. He, he has heard the cry of her heart. He felt bad in the service, so he's like, I got to try this thing. And all of a sudden, his heart and his motives are pure. He is sitting down with his cup of coffee. Proverbs 21, 1, 24, 1, do not be envious of evil men. I'm doing this thing called my devotional. Phone goes off, and somebody says, hey, Cardinal tickets, can you meet me in 20 minutes? And some of you wives would be like, would you get over that stuff and just get back into the word? The word is what this family needs. Devotion is what this family needs. Worship is what, that would be easy if the man of the house wasn't under attack. And I want to help some mothers today. I want to help some ladies with some things today. Nothing wrong with the devotional. We need it. Nothing wrong with the new Bible. We need it. But most importantly, you need to be praying that your husband is asking in accordance to the will of the Lord over your family, that he has a hunger for the word of God, that he has a hunger for the word, not the way you see it, but the way God has for him. Amen. So, so we've, got, we've got this confidence thing. The Bible says that we can be confident in this. I ran into this word years ago. You've heard me say it before, but I love the word, and it's called Godfident. Because Brian could be confident in a lot of things. You've heard this before. You need to be a little bit more self-confident. When you get up at the plate, you practice. Be self-confident. When you go to that test, that college-level test, that you be self-confident, you put in the work. Folks, self-confident 
ebbs and flows. It comes and goes. But when I'm confident that he began a good work in me, then on the other side of it, when the test doesn't look so good, on the other side of it where this didn't go so well or this didn't go so well, I can remain confident that it is him working in my life and it has little to do with me. In other words, he is giving me direction and I'm just following in his plan for my life. It's not always easy, but remember this morning that you always have a heavenly father that is listening. And since you have a heavenly father that is listening, directional dad, you can tell him anything. Tell him when you're scared. I'd never be able to tell my wife that. Fine. Skip your wife and tell the Lord. I would never be able to walk into my son and tell him, fine, don't tell your son, tell the Lord. When you have fears and insecurities, some of the greatest prayers that have been prayed over me as a father, when I have been weak in and of myself and my kids had more faith than I did. Amen? So I have, a, I have a father that is listening. I have a God who hears me. And with confidence, I can trust that he is bringing these things to pass. So, sir, the father is watching you, dad. The father is listening to you. And then the third and final thing that I want to share to you is this. The father is speaking to you. This is another place that, that I feel things can get a little bit complicated. And the reason they can get a little bit complicated is not because they have to be complicated, but it is very easy for us to hear the story of somebody else on how God spoke to them and be looking for that same thing to happen to us. Like you hear the story.